0: And boom we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner and I'm here as always with the exemplary Dr. Bear Paul Lando coming to you live and direct from the great state of Jefferson where freedom still reigns supreme. Um I actually just got out of the water bear. I surfed this morning's on some dawn patrol. We're having some of those wow. east Yeah, we're having some Stone like off. offshore southwest i went to south beach um it was already 65 degrees we're getting that eastern wind coming in so um it was like socal when i got out 75 degrees at 8 30 in the morning without a cloud in the sky in crescent city this morning so um way, you dog
1: you had a morning sesh without me there
0: <laughs> um <clears throat> I've got the hunger and I've got to feed that cowbell ding, ding, ding. So I, um, yeah, I definitely, um, feeling good and energized. I got those ions and the plasma in my system and, um, can't wait for today's discussion. Uh, been looking forward to this for weeks since I discovered Chris Winters on Instagram uh he is one of those few individuals that i feel is really pushing uh the alpha vedic like he's before we even knew he existed we already were good friends as we were just saying before the the talk Uh, there is definitely a sympathetic resonance pinging on the chat already and very excited to jump into this uh one update real quick on the end of covid our, our our video partner howtube actually we crashed their system uh, and uh it looks like uh, during we're doing a free replay right now that's going till October 11th. We're gonna push that back now probably to the 15th. We've had over 3.5 million views there and it's shut wow. down their system. so they're uh, reconfiguring that with their Qdn partner or their C, excuse me their CDN partner. Uh, QDN is the Cordal Data Network <laughs> CDN partner. Uh, and so we apologize if it's down, right if the sessions are down right now, I just found this out before going live, but you can go to the end of COVID sign up for free. And we're going to extend that out uh, at least three more days uh, because it's looking like they might not get those videos back up for a few days. So, uh, but that was really cool to hear bear over 3.5 million views on some of the most cutting edge content out there. So thanks so much. Yeah, for yeah. Yeah. And um, so
1: many good people speaking so much truth on that and in perfect timing for just in case you're thinking about round two. So, uh, yeah, awesome, awesome job. And I was honored job. to be part of that.
0: Yeah. And Bear, I actually um, shared your uh, session with the Bigglesons. On AlphaCat, on an Alphabetic podcast, as a special preview a few days ago, um, as a preemptive to the supposed yesterday, October fourth, fallout that was that people were saying, which we of course were telling people um, didn't make any scientific sense. Uh, If you understand uh, how actual resonance and and vibrational frequencies work, to have a phone set off that sort of uh you know i don't want to get too deep in the conspiracy but everybody survived october 4th yesterday uh so um but uh the, anyways go check that out that episode's amazing with the bigel sins they specifically uh, talk about the nonsense, this concept of hydrogel uh, and the nanotech in the in the jibby jabs and how that is not scientifically has no scientific foundation based on uh, the microscopy, the proper form of microscopy that they do. Uh, really fantastic episode way beyond that, though. you guys uh, really knock it out of the park on that. So go check that out. and uh, anything else bear before I introduce Chris?
1: Yeah, you know one thing kind of a sad um sort of uh something that just happened you know on this last tuesday i was scheduled with my good friend patrick timponi to be on one radio network for an interview and you know uh patrick and i developed a nice friendship over the years um and then i found out that uh you know my interview was canceled because patrick made the journey and uh, Patrick being a contemporary, you know, we're both pushing 80 and, um, you know, we used to just joke about our journey through life and and about uh, when the day came, you know, we we're still having fun here and doing what we're supposed to do. But when the day came, we'd uh, both not lament about going home, <laughs> you know, because we know we're kind of roughing it on this side of the veil, but all's good. Um, so I was deeply saddened. Uh, you know, I my journey started with Patrick. Uh, I was working in the financial sector internationally, uh, and uh, that was in the early 2000s and uh, late 90s. And I uh, had an association with an individual by the name of Andy Gauss, who is a great scholar on the whole Federal Reserve scam and everything. And then also. Uh, very knowledgeable about the gold and silver industry, and that's where our paths cross because we're doing some business together. And uh, he was a feature speaker on Patrick's weekly show. And uh, so I always tuned into that, got to know Patrick through that. I uh, absolutely refused to do interviews or any such thing back then because I didn't want any exposure. So, um, so I didn't, uh, do any with Patrick, uh, back then, but since Alpha Vedic was created in more recent years and, and Mike and I've gotten together, then, uh, we started doing interviews on one radio network together. We had a business alliance. It was going to be announced with the launching of the new Alpha Vedic membership site. And, uh, that was going to be a great collusion between, uh, ourselves in one radio network we're looking forward to that and all i can say is uh patty i'm gonna miss you buddy uh we had so many off-air talks we'd talk for two hours at a time he was scheduled to come up here in a couple months for a visit um i told him i was gonna introduce him to a forest nymph up here because even though he was (laughs) later on he was still um hoping to find his perfect mate so uh Anyway, I guess that's all. Um, Patrick was an amazing individual. He was relentless in bringing the truth to people for uh, decades. And I love the guy. And uh, I'm going to miss him. So take it away, Mike.
0: Yes, a sweet soul. And thanks for that eulogy. And um, there was many, many, many people in our community that um, had just loving, beautiful words about Patrick. When uh, shocking news came out on uh, Wednesday, Um, definitely um, sad, but also like, as I said on Telegram, uh, when someone lives with that sort of bright light, we know that they are um, really living it up on the other side and that life review, man, he's having a good life review. Tell you that. So (laughs) (laughs) Yeah um and very
1: pleasant life review
0: yeah i just finished the danian brinkley book by the way bear i want to like we, we talked about getting him on you know him and uh that well, was
1: yeah danian and i crossed paths too back in the day so uh i reached out to him i told you a few yeah. months ago. i'm gonna reach out to him again because i hear he's out there doing interviews again
0: good great reminder guys to crush it in life out of service to others And it is the little things we do out of love for ourselves and each other that make all the difference. Uh, And Patrick definitely uh, lived up to that from what I've heard from people that knew him well. So, uh, okay, Uh, today, very exciting. Uh, We're going to tap into the authentic grid. Chris Winters combines Qigong metaphysics with his unique garden tech for next level electroculture. As an avid student of metaphysics and uh, as a farming innovator, Chris Winters of the Fertile Current is light years ahead of the conventional farming community. This part two episode continues uh, AlphaCast exploration into everything electroculture and the perfect follow-up to our interview with Matt Roski from Cultivate Elevate. Electroculture, sometimes known as magnetoculture, Simply put, is the agricultural utilization of feeble voltage to stimulate electromagnetic actions in the soil. These actions catalyze the transmuting of elements within the soil, which have an array of benefits. This transmutation of soil elements are referred to by Rudolf Steiner as spiritual digestion. Quote, I had been introduced to electroculture early in our farming endeavor, but it didn't click until I was rooted in my Qigong studies. After growing up in an urban environment, Chris Winters and his wife made the conscious decision to raise their son in a rural setting, farming a piece of land that had been left fallow for many years. As first-generation vegetable farmers, they necessarily learned from experience and what Chris describes as a journey of a lifetime. In medical Qigong, one of the basic exercises is known as pulling down heavens. In this exercise, positive yang solar energy, known as qi, is collected and paired with negative yin earth energy. When combined and conducted through the practitioner, these energies create a balanced energy, qi prana life force, thus encouraging vitality, balance, and overall health. This is essentially the same concept used in the electroculture antennas, and it is intrinsic to all life bear uh your video on electroculture you have one on instagram i think it's almost cracking 11 million views and it is really awesome to see the world waking up to the reality that is electroculture for those haters doubters people out there and that not really watching our show but we see on instagram that say this is poppycock pseudoscience there is a plethora of videos out there from very mainstream sources of people doing showing the direct effects just from overall yield and growth of plants versus a plant that is not in electrocultured soil and and one that is with the same exact uh, base medium of soil and showing the results. So this stuff is real. This stuff is dynamic and real old school science. And we're going to go deeper in it today. Take it away, Bear.
1: Thank you. Um, Wow. Uh, 11 million. That's, uh, I can't tell you that number of people seeing my face um, frightens me beyond what you could possibly imagine. (laughs) So um, (laughs) anyway, uh, Chris, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm really, really uh, stoked to have this conversation here. And I've been uh, looking at your work, uh, really eager to try your technologies uh, you know, you said a few words in a video I watched of yourself where you're talking about a lot of different information out there. And as usual, you know, with any subject matter, you're going to get some authentic stuff. You're going to get some folks that are well-meaning, but maybe don't know that much. And of then course, you have of course folks that are just, you know, joining the bandwagon. And I really do agree with you in that, you know, more experienced farmers that already know how to grow, and have established farms, gardens, whatever, so that they can test out and you know do some real empirical, uh, uh, you know, investigation as far as how this works. Now I have more. Uh, when Matt was on with us, uh, we showed some pictures of here on the farm and all my you know electroculture poles. Mm-hmm. And now I'm doing it not as sophisticated as you are, uh, and uh, I'll tell you how I think mine works. Um, on the other hand, that'll be a good discussion. Uh, what I'm really enthused about is having you teach me how to upgrade uh, our technology here at the farm. Because you know, farming. Let's just say you're starting. You've never grown anything. You're trying electric and it's kind of a hit and miss thing. You you listen yes. to the wrong person, but it's still uh, an an amazing opportunity to have your own experience learn from that experience and that's all i've done i've just done it for a lot of years but yes. you know you, in the farming world you're always a student and uh that's why with uh our conversation today i'm uh i'm ready to hopefully go up to the next level and uh so why don't you if you wouldn't mind tell us a little bit about your own journey how you got here people always like to hear that then we'll okay. get into uh, you know, the all the nuts and bolts of uh, of what you've done there. And again, thank you so much. It's
2: uh, really great to have you here. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Bear and Mike. I appreciate you guys having me. It's an honor to be here with you. Um, so as far as how I got here to farming, I grew up not with any idea that, I, you know, I'll take that back. There was a point in time where I believe for a paper for school, I did have to write um, or was asked to write. What I thought I would be doing as an adult, you know, this was sometime early on in high school and I ended up kind of thinking it through. And kind of thinking about knowledge of myself who I was and what I could even like tolerate what who I what I would want to interface with and I was like well basically I could see myself interfacing with plants and. You know, so I was like okay probably some sort of farming agriculture so that's what I wrote but kind of forgot about it so i remembered that years ago actually um not that long ago i remembered that because it was probably when i was like in ninth grade or something but um so i will say that was always that was all since time is you know not linear i already knew this but you know uh had it had it manifested it into an actual reality that i thought was going to happen in this lifetime perhaps so time went on um Like we discussed a little bit pre-interview, I spent some time in the Caribbean, got exposed to some farming there uh, early on. And and then uh, when I was 17, ended up living, living in Trelawney Parish in Jamaica with my friend, a very rural area called Bunkers Hill. And his father, who was nearly 80 at the time, had a hillside farm. And this was really my first exposure to agriculture at all because growing up near Nashville, Tennessee, right outside of downtown, you know, I didn't see that at all. The area I grew up in is pretty, pretty fancy now. But when I was growing up, it was, it was pretty rugged. Nobody was growing anything. There weren't any urban farms or anything. You know what I mean? It was just like a couple nasty grocery stores and stuff like that. But that being said, I was, I was really drawn to the, to helping my friend's father out on his on his small farm, you know. also I, I had always thought of farms as these huge, huge, huge expansive pieces of land with, you know, one or two crops, probably just, you know, mono crop, you know what you kind of are taught in public education, went to public school. Um, you know, brought, I was raised, you know, eating, eating pretty bad, all the, all the stuff, man, all the stuff, you know, and uh, when I was actually around a, a 10, I started developing these really bad allergies like allergic reactions where my eyes would swell up and my lips would swell up. And so my mom took me to the allergen, the the allergist, the doctor, and um, they did all the testing, right? With the the pricks. And they found out that I was highly allergic to these food coloring, yellow food colorings, five and six. And um, they were like, we're going to have to come get shots every week for years so that you're not affected. And I, and I, I thought about it for like 15 minutes sitting there on the table. And I was like, well, can I just not have those colors? Can I just not consume those colors? <laughs> and the doctor was like, well, I, I mean, I guess so. Do you want to go that route? Kind of <laughs> instant. That's when this voice whispered in my head that there's snakes on this plane. And you got to think for yourself because you just saved yourself years of shots. You know what I mean? And so was, that was kind of a beginning of this little awakening uh, that slowly unfolds over your over your lifetime if you're fortunate and you're and you're inviting to it you're open to it um you know my my medical qigong teacher that i that i trained with for a couple of years uh dr j michael wood um he he would always use that word invite you know i invite you you know when as a as a teacher that's how his he he, he worded everything i invite you to do this with me i'm not going to tell you to do it so i, I like that language and Anyway, so I ended up spending time there, getting exposed to a little agricultural help, helping my friend's father in Jamaica. I thought I was just going to stay there in the hills for a long time, really love it there, love, love the people of that island, and um, ended up meeting people from all over the world there, truly, is what happened, and was invited to Switzerland. Um, This is, you know, pre-cell phone days, this this is late 90s, so, um, you know, uh, got a piece of paper with a with a name on it in Zurich. And uh, months later, I actually came back to Tennessee for a minute. I saved just enough money for a plane ticket. And I had like $600 and a one-way ticket to Zurich. And I did not even have an address for my friend, just had his name. And uh, so I went (laughs) to Zurich and actually took my bicycle apart into a box and checked it as luggage and put it together in the airport and rode out of the airport it's been a few found a place I you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, great. I, it was amazing. You know, Zurich's a beautiful city. I had a really nice time going around, but then I found my friend in a phone book a few days later and, uh, he came pick me up and I lived with him for almost a year there and traveled around and traveled around to a lot of places and paid attention. You know, I was, I was alone traveling and just really soaking in everything I could. So love the culture in North Africa, spent a lot of time there. Um, Learned some learned some things within cannabis culture. Uh, lived in the Netherlands lived in Amsterdam for almost two years, um, in a really interesting community called the Elf, which was a squat. It was the old Belgian consulate that had been squatted um, legally, and so there was a couple hundred people at one point living in this eight-story consulate building, like office building, and. Uh, it was a very interesting a lot of djs uh trance djs a lot of people who spent like half their time in india and then half their time in amsterdam you know this crew oh yeah uh, you know the crew uh it's a wonderful group of people and um but a very eclectic very diverse fortunate enough through this experience to get some uh, exposure to like uh, ethnobotanical shamanism different things that i got to dive a little deeper into and get some um, experience with but ultimately ended up back in Tennessee, where I met, who, who I'm still with, my partner, Tracy. And uh, we moved to California together in 2002, because I grew up um, in Nashville with some friends who were from the farm community, which is an intentional community uh, here in Tennessee. And most of their parents and relatives were actually back in California, either like Bay Area or Northern California. So I had a lot of friends that I had grown up with who had kind of gone back there, and they were just talking about how nice it was. So we packed up the Volvo, broke down multiple times on the way, made it out there, and, and lived there for almost ten years. Had you know, nice time we lived. I know the closest we lived to you guys is Trinidad at one point. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, we lived Good in Trinidad. Good surf destination. Yeah, right across the street from uh, from College Cove Beach, like right across yeah, the street, a spot. little little brown house. Yeah. Really mm, I love neat. it there. Love it there. Yeah. Awesome. And we lived in uh lived near Garberville and Rio Dell, spent a lot of time in Alder Point, um, you know, all over that area. And um we had our son, he's like I said, he's just turned 14. Um when he was about a year and a half old, we kinda we kinda wanted to find a new path, you know, and a challenge as well. So we decided, hey, let's with no experience, go be vegetable farmers back in Tennessee. That we could you know it was land we could afford um stuff like that you know it was uh especially we were,
1: then before that's what before i'm saying all of california was that, trying to move to tennessee yeah
2: that well that's what i'm saying at the time we couldn't afford anything in california yeah and we kind of you know we had a small kid we're trying to take him back closer to like the grandparents a little bit just trying to get the connections going for better or for worse and um We uh, so we moved back, we bought our farm sight unseen actually from California because we really couldn't afford to go back and forth and look at it. And so I had some family members come out and look at it kind of verify it's you know it's legit you're good. Uh, It was a piece of land um, that had not been farmed really for a long time, which is good, but it also been kind of it was an old buffalo trace. It's very like compacted in some areas. kind of wild no, really no infrastructure whatsoever just a little house little well pump house a uh, little metal building like a very basic very basic you know um and we 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 uh, drove cross country with our stuff and our son and got here and day 1 started building the uh little pvc hoop house that I knew how to build from mm-hmm. from working in California to start seed in so we're starting seed you know vegetable seeds um within like two days or so of getting here. Cause we, we needed, we had to do a season, even though we, we were brand new, we really didn't know what we were doing at all. We, we had done a little, my wife had done a little apprenticeship in Carlotta, in California at um, Shakeforth farm, Saturday, really nice to there. Exactly, mid mid county yeah. there. And um, she had gotten a little experience um, vegetable farming there. And um, I had tried to educate myself. I was reading a lot of books you know, doing all I could to get ready, but we were learning curve was high, you know. A lot of failure, boy. I mean, just like flailing <laughs> in the wind, you know what I mean, for a couple few years the first year. But we and we pulled off a season that first year. We we grew crops, sold them at a farmer's market, found a restaurant customer or two. We got it popping out of just pure necessity. You know, we had a young child and um, virtually no no savings or anything. So we we definitely the pressure was on. So there's nothing like that pressure to. We need the pressure. It's internal chi pressure that keeps our organs in place. you know We need that. We need well, that. It's, uh, It
1: boils down to the topic of today, which is uh, electricity and pressure is resistance. You know, you go into the gym to lift weights because it gives you resistance, and if you put it in the electrical terms, um, yeah, you need some kind of uh, mechanism to. Yes, pres- pressure on the Dulce crystals. through that, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah, go ahead.
2: No, sorry, yeah, I, I'm just agreeing with you, like even when you exercise, mm-hmm. you're putting pressure on the Dulce crystals, mm-hmm. on your bones, mm-hmm. and creating piezo current, um, even in the, in the Taiji yin yang symbol, you know, as the, as the one fluxes into the greatest potential, it's looking for less pressure and it's forcing Mm -hmm. that next phase that next potential into into tighter you know pressure and then it seeks higher uh less pressure and it's just that's oscillation and uh walter russell describes that whole
1: creative mechanism uh likens it to uh a a pipe organ where you're moving the pedals to build up pressure then you go to the next octave and the next octave and uh, we'll talk more about the relevance to that to the elements in the ground
2: but please continue well, no, I mean, um, so so we started farming. I I was um we were organic farming from the beginning, of course. I mean, we that was our, our 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 ethics, you know. We didn't ever do like conventional style farming. We were doing organic market gardening, you know, what people usually refer to. Um diverse array of crops, lots of biodiversity, planting things for pollinators, trying it all really, trying all the co plantings. Um, we were trying to keep things organized too, and we weren't doing a lot of like, uh, when I say co plantings, like three sisters type things, but more like, you know, plants that have symbiosis um, grown next to each other or in proximity. Um, all organic inputs, uh, d- trying our best, getting better as we went, learning, just learning out of experience, pure failure, trial and error. Um, so, we, you know, many times throughout the first, I always say almost five years, there were lots of times when you're like, I don't, I don't I'm not sure, if just financially, however you look at it, if we're gonna make this work. But we kept figuring out thinking and there was some breakthroughs along the way. You know how that goes. You have little micro breakthroughs within the greater breakthroughs and the, everything's replicable like that. But um, basically I had been aware of electroculture since the very beginning, um, reading Andre Vosson, his books about soil that's not really electroculture but there's a lot of concepts in there that are based on electromagnetism and that's really what we're dealing with. Um, And so that was that was that was something that caught me early on when, but I was, but I was too overwhelmed with all the basic things that I was trying to learn, you know, so I was kind of like that's. Man, that's where I want to uh, later. So then I then I discovered early on to this farm that was rating their produce in angstrom level, and I was like, man, that's 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 real deal. That's that's biophotonic energy. That's nutrients. That's real power. That's chi. That's life. Uh, this is before I started really training medical qigong, but I had been training kung fu and I had a personal qigong practice for quite some time before I started training medical Qigong. Can
1: you elaborate a little bit more on your journey in Qigong and how that has everything to do with farming?
2: Yes, oh it is, it is, it is, it it is. (laughs) Uh, You know, (laughs) uh, so yeah, that Qigong had been something that had been a thread through my young adult life. I'm 42 right now. I had been interested in learning and dabbling in qigong probably for 15 20 years but just in these mild levels where i'd get a little bit here and try these things out nothing really comprehensive definitely didn't understand and still hope to never fully understand these mechanisms um the mystery is 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 the driving force and that that has to be there um and uh but In terms of being able to apply these principles, when I started training Kung Fu, my teacher was teaching me kind of personal Qigong practice that was complementary to our martial practice uh, and started making a little more sense to me, working with me with breathing and whatnot. But when I, I, I wanted to take that further, I always had. I came to a crescendo of kind of personal reawakening probably in like 2017 as we got along in our farm a lot of it became apparent that where i was failing or where we were failing maybe as a farm not that we weren't having wins and successes too but where we were maybe falling short were mostly just personal things they were they were inside of me inside of us you know things we hadn't healed or hadn't even attempted to heal things we hadn't been receptive to healing, personal issue habits, things that you need to moderate, things you need to cut out altogether, dietary changes. I had become like very aware of my diet when I had that first experience at the allergy doctor at age 10. And I stopped eating a lot of junk. I stopped eating meat. I stopped, you know, I did a lot of things around that time as a very young person. And then there was a point where um, in my 30s, I was like, well, let me make sure I'm not being narrow minded. Let me, let me go try some of these other foods. And, and so I, I went kind of back a different way, but I, I realized that my, my good balance was back kind of toward where I'd come from. So, um, you know, quit drinking alcohol altogether. Lots of things that just for me were very positive changes because the physical output that was required of me, I I needed to be full, full energy level, you know? And I realized that they were so associated with all my uh, emotional uh, traumas and emotional issues. And I don't say that like I had some major issue. I'm functioning fine. But we all are so full. Even those with some of the most benevolent existences have things to heal. And they keep us from living our full truth. And that's their real detriment. Uh, They keep us in fear, and even, we spoke on this a little bit, um, connected on this, you know, the idea of even putting forth even things that you already know in your heart are true, and you've experienced them, and you can share them, but then to go the next level and put it out there through these types of channels, through the internet, I was very hesitant of that, but that was, that fear of that, that fear of being held responsible for what I was going to present, is what held me back from presenting what I'm presenting now, which I feel is my, my part of my Dharma, a major part of my Dharma. And so that fear was holding me back that whole stuff. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to get into that. But I mean, a hundred years ago, I would have probably said that about a cellular phone and I use those all the time. So I had to really let, try to let go. I mean, I'm still, I'm still working on that, you know, letting go of the fear of, of that.
1: Yeah. Uh, just a quick comment. You know, you're you're talking about emotions, and again, I just want to keep bringing it back to our topic today. Emotions are the what give the velocity to those electrical vectors that precipitate into farming or our bodies or anything. So, um, what you have with those kinds of emotions, because they're attached to stories, is you have a net energy loss. And what we're trying to do in electro culture is to have a net energy gain. And so when you look at it in electrical terms, um, you know, and that's what we learned in the martial arts is how to gather energy, store energy, not be frivolous with energy, um, use it frugally, but also not use it within a mindset of uh, scarcity because that's, uh, that's not true either. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I'm just trying to draw, draw a corollary here, you know, that all oh, this yes. stuff ties together. And yes. Like, like uh, somebody once said, I think it's Carolyn Miss, uh, she did some great work in the, back in the day. Um, she talked about it as far as retrieving your spirit and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from all these places where you've been leaking energy. So what you're describing is plugging up the leaks.
2: Yes. and and And, and quickly, just to draw it together. So training medical Qigong. Um was a next level training. it took a couple several years and um one evening in the training, I'd been studying electroculture, looking at antenna diagrams from the eighteen hundreds, trying to kind of put it together. I got it my heart understood. my heart remembered it, but my mind, that ego component that needed to understand it in the now was still struggling a bit. so uh one night in class, we we're talking about yin and yang, as we do, as you do in medical qigong, you're, you're observing the nature of these things throughout everything and how it's just macrocosmic to microcosmic back to macrocosmic. Um, down to the cellular level is oscillation uh, that generates life for the cell. And we're looking at the yin and yang as oscillating fluxing potentials. And the seeds in each of those yin and yang are just that potential for it to flux to its next polarity. And I started thinking about the bioway our top, our top crown point and meridian point, chakra point, um, as like the positive antenna. And we're talking about our, our feet touching the ground, grounding to the negative. And it made sense. I was like, okay, so, cause I knew how the systems were laid out. You have the antenna, you have it mounted. Uh, that's your positive point of most positive potential in the system. And then you have your negative point at the end, at the most Northern end of your field. And that goes deeper in the ground than your conductor to give you the point of a nions, your grounding point and you are the wire, you are the conductor in between fluxing potentials as a standing wave everything is a standing wave of electric and magnetic inter- interplay um, and so it made sense it clicked I was like okay. I can apply these systems to farming because it's not a peripheral endeavor. This, you know, as a working farm, we have to we still do. That's what we do. We sell vegetables for a living to a couple of restaurants and a CSA group. Um, And when you're doing that work for a living um, that, you know, you can get involved in whatever you feel like you want to get involved in. But for us, even just from a, a level of time, resource, financial resource, You know, as a peripheral endeavor, it was not. It was looked at as this is something that's we're going to apply, like it was done so many times before, for abundance in our and not just abundance, but abundance of then more free time even because the things that electroculture do at its core. You have many different uh, ways that electricity is made on, on an antenna. My, my, my first antennas are designed very much so after the Justin Crystal Flu antenna from 1892 um, in France. But there were also a lot of farmers or a small group of farmers in the Midwest of the United States making similar antennas to him. And they were all kind of similar. Just, can you describe the
1: makings of that antenna?
2: Of of the adjusting crystal flu antenna? Yeah. Yes. Uh,
1: because so, that was one of the early ones you're referencing, just so we can yes, uh, uh, so kind of see the it's basically where a a, from.
2: a magnetic block. Attached to that magnetic block is an array of steel wires. This would be at mm-hmm. the top because this is the atmospheric collection. You know, in electroculture, you have a real focus on a couple of things, but there's a lot of ways that we can collect this energy. The atmospheric is one of them. So that's what the wire bundle, the steel bundle is for on top. As the wind blows through, the positive cations, which are more available, the higher you mount the antenna. uh, At about 15 feet above the soil surface, above, above the surface level, those cations are naturally gonna start pairing with the anions in the soil anyway. This is action that's always happening, regardless of anything we do um between the sun and the earth, between heaven and earth. I like to refer to as heaven and earth technology. Um, so we have these positively charged ions, the cations, I you know coming through what we refer to as the solar winds down toward the earth. Um, this is going to pair with the earth's negatively charged anions, negative ions of the earth, right? And in the soil you're going to have that electromagnetic action. You're going to have that Yang Mijian interplay uh, making life. Um, so, we are basically, or not basically, we are manufacturing this effect because you have a lot of factors. You have the things that have happened to soils over long periods of time. In some areas, lots of ferrous equipment, metal, iron equipment, demagnetizing what once was more paramagnetic soil because paramagnetic just means drawn toward a magnetic field. So depending on where you are and your geology of particularly where your farm is or where your gardens are, are going to change, you know, maybe what you want to put in the soil, but you're never going to not want electromagnetic action in the soil to be increased. Um, you know, after a lightning storm, you have more free positive ions. That's why everything greens up. That's why everything, all the nitrogens are fixed because that rate of cation exchange is increased. So the cation exchange capacitance is a quantification of the potential productivity of soil. And it's just the rate at which those negative and positives are exchanging. And the faster the rate, the increase in frequency, the higher the frequency, the better the yield. But you also have other factors when you start fixing all those nitrogens, because you start you're using nitrogens that are otherwise pent up as ammoniums. Those ammoniums are then not biotoxic, you know, accumulating to a toxic level, because when they do, the plants produce a lot of infrared light, and the insects that have no that we see as pests as gardeners, which is going to be different where you are, how you see an insect, because an insect that has you know, they often refer to them as native or non-native, but as a, you know, as a global society here, we have kind of sharing everything everywhere. So you have insects in certain places that don't have their their stuff figured out. They don't have the thing that they, their homeostasis has not been figured out in that area. So they're going to attack plants they see as weak, and they see Mm -hmm. that by infrared light. Um, So by reducing that infrared light emission, you make your plants look way less vulnerable to pest pressure, and by limiting the pest pressure, you're not spreading the soil-borne disease because most of that is spread by the bugs going from the soil level to the aerial components of the plants. So you have this manifold, this domino effect of benefit. And now, uh, uh, can...
0: Chris, are you saying the mm-hmm. plants are initiating an infrared light signature to kind of stress into the stress, but also as a communication? modalities kind of like hey um come take care come clean me up come clean <laughs> because i'm sick uh well, kind of it's, thing. it's a
2: weakness it's a weakness
0: yeah because sign i have weakness the ammonium nitrate you know fertilizer has always interests me and obviously you look at it from mainstream uh you know, agriculturists look at it from a pure chemical side, but for me, for me, it seems like essentially what you're doing is you're creating an acidic side with the ammonia, you're ca- creating a basic, alkaline side with the, the the nitrogen, right? And that's literally creating a battery in the soil, um, uh, where you're creating that same sort of electro charge uh, in the soil by by kind of hacking it with those chemical compounds. And sort of what I understand with electroculture is you are doing the same thing, but you're doing it in a much more complementary way where you're not going to burn out the soil through these chemical compounds, but you're doing it in a more harmonious way that is more in line with sympathetic resonance.
2: That's a good, that's a good way to uh, put it.
1: Just, just for our audience, um, Mm -hmm. when we're talking about cationic, uh, anionic, Um, It's really another um, terminology for pH. And pH, of course, people think is in terms of acidic or alkaline and think of it in chemical terms. But in actuality, Mm. um, it's an electrical term, electrical byproduct. Yeah. yeah, And it has to do with resistance. So if something is uh, overly alkaline, for instance, uh, there's going to be. More resistance, and to the point where you can have too much resistance, where biology actually prematurely breaks down with too much resistance. And uh, the other side of it is if you have too acidic, then you have stagnation, uh, you know, uh, too slow a flow of energy, and you're going to have that kind of stagnation, uh, you know, in whatever kind of biological system, plant, animal, or otherwise. So Uh, Just so people understand when we're talking about these terms, uh, chemistry is actually a byproduct of electricity. And what we're talking about today is uh, leading with electricity. And then, uh, you know, what we test and concern ourselves with is just after effects. But we always have to think electrically first. And that's what electroculture is about.
2: Excellent point. Walter Russell's periodic table is a great reference for understanding that, Yeah. Um, as you already know, we were speaking of that, but uh, speaking of him, but uh, talking about covalence is about resonance, sympathetic resonance, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think even more so when you break down that word, it, it, it kind of comes down to sharing the same light, covalent, it's like sharing the same bandwidth of light you know, um, just the more you break this down, the more it's the same principle over and over is my, is my point. It's, it's, it's about seeking
1: balance. Yeah. yeah it's, balance. balance exactly. All the elements are yeah. seeking balance. So rather than, uh, chemical um concept of covalent bonding where there's this magical, you know, coming together and sticking together of BBs. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, we're actually waveforms uh in residence seeking compatible resonance and balance through that. So Mike, sorry. I Oh, I was just earlier. gonna say
0: Walter Russell, um, who we is a, is probably in the foundational uh science behind Alpha vedic I was I always I can literally look at the chart right oh here.
2: well i have this mike i have the same one up in the room next to me that's great uh that's the that exact is a, same one yeah
0: that was a gift from uh, matt Presty from the walter russell uh, uh university of science uh dear friend of ours and um it, uh, really what we're talking about here is the secret of light right and how we're bringing light to the roots We're bringing light to, uh, so the leaves of the plant are an antenna, right? You look at them, they have a dendetric, I think that's the right word, sort of antenna in the leaves literally that are, have the structured water in them, right? Which is a polar molecule, uh, the molecule of water is, is naturally has polarity, right? So that's like a battery essentially, and that's fractal and that's generating, of course, we know the photosynthesis, which creates the sugar for the plant and all that. But that is each leaf is an antenna, and then you have. Exactly underneath the uh, in, in mirroring it, right? You have the rootlets which are in the same uh, dinded, um, sort of uh, ge- um, geometry which are fractal in nature. And essentially, what, what we're doing is that it's a that light is feeding into those rootlets as well. Does that make sense?
2: It's an excellent way to put it. I mean, everything is light if we're getting Walter Russell centric here. Yeah. So, and in the same self, way, self replicates, you know? It, yeah. It, yeah And yeah. same
0: way the leaves are doing it, the roots are doing it as, as well. above,
2: as above. You as know. above, I mean, so and, below. <laughs> yeah. It's the same way that the sun and volcanoes make paramagnetic energy. That's the as above, so below of paramagnetism. You know, it's these are the calderas, the calderas of life.
1: And Steiner and working with the work uh, put out by Goethe before him talked about. Plant metamorphosis, and uh, in in anthroposophical medicine, we use the same principles with human bodies. But it explains how those energetic or electrical forces uh, create predictable stages of development. So you can just look at a plant and tell a lot just by its appearance and and so forth. Uh, but let's uh, and sorry, uh, I I don't want to talk over you here. Um, would this be a good segue into uh some of the early electroculture sure. um technologies uh and next level that's you're up to there
2: sure um yes so as i start to understand uh, understand the the theory with medical qigong i start to see how it's going to work then it comes to okay and now let's put it together right so most of the stuff you're looking at is from the 17 um a lot of it's in french Um, Fortunately, a lot of it has been translated to English. But um, a lot of it's in diagrams, you know, and as you understand the principle, you can look at the diagram and see, okay, it's all coming back to the same mechanism. It's fluxing potentials through a conductor, Um, at least from all the stuff that was going on back in the day, pre-World War. Um, So then it came to, to equipment, right? And I started looking for equipment. Um, there's a couple things being made, but they all were kind of based on just like one or two parts of what I was understanding was possible. Right. So I'm seeing, okay, there's some stuff being made with some atmospheric bundles. Um, you know, this is, this is way before it was a thing on the internet at all. Like there was nobody talking about electroculture. There was nobody doing <laughs> anything really. I mean, it was very like couple European farmers who, who who seem to be on the forefront, you know, and um, I started my practice with trying to build soils, let me just take one brief step back with high capacitance, because you can put energy into something all day. But if you can't capacitate it, because the, with the Qigong medicine, and dietary science, you look at alkaline system, okay, like an alkaline battery, you know, the way it produces energy smoothly, you can store energy in it for a long You just start thinking about, again, the, the, the relation to parts hydrogen, electrical capacitance, energy, right? So I'm seeing all these connections kind of coming together in my head along with the Qigong medicine and... Um, it seemed like, uh, we needed to build a soil medium for all of our, you know, we plant in the ground or we plant in the ground in greenhouses, everything's in the soil here. Um, so I knew I needed to build soil with high capacitance in order to even like store this energy that I planned to figure out how to put into it. Right. So for several years, I researched the apparatus, the antennas, while I was doing this, I was building my soil, with vegetative compost and basalt um, I switched everything over to some people call it veganic farming I really just. It was a personal it was a personal move that I didn't want to support industries of mass slaughter or commercial farm byproducts which I found to be going in most organic farm. systems, so I was like well i'm going to cut those out, so I went to an all rock minerals fertilization system it's all just raw rock minerals vegetative compost, and lots of paramagnetic basalt. Um, Love Phil Callahan's work, highly influenced by him on paramagnetism, Harvey Lyle, all these rock powder gurus from the 90s and 80s um, that came through the biodynamics community and whatnot. And um, long story short, I spent several years just building that soil up while I researched the antennas. And I started getting better results through just doing that. So I understand the difference between all the different phases that I spent many years each phase observing. We're 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 in in the midst of year eleven here, my wife and I, and it's just the two of us and our son. We don't have any employees. So we see everything. I make the deliveries, we see everything, we we do everything. Um And so, very observant over the years to the you know the empirical data is the observation and it's being there, and that's something you cannot replicate. I cannot when someone is like convince me this is true. You know, no way. That's I'm not here for that. Um, That's not my that's not my mission. You know, Um, I'm here to provide what I've seen, what I've observed, and the benevolence that we've received from these systems. Um, So the antennas became an issue it became like man i i don't there's i would just have bought them you know at that point i was like trying to find stuff that i could buy and none of it was really truly comprehensive and that's why i call my systems comprehensive electroculture solutionary agriculture because there's so many problems and myself was was trapped in the cycle of just identifying the problems in our agricultural systems and pointing them out to people and I hadn't done a damn thing to help solve any of them. Right? So this is my attempt as well to help bring something solutionary to a table uh, where solutions are few. And it's not my technology, but I I, I took it upon myself to go figure out how to build these antennas, right? So I spent several years working on them. I have uh, a friend who, who I developed along the way who's an electrical engineer who assessed them along the way. I'll do this differently. Gave me a few tips on insulating the systems mainly. But overall, it was just trial and error, figuring them out, um, then utilizing them. Right. So I set some up. I I set them up on the poles, run the ground wire, um, set them up very authentically. And I have spaces in my garden where they've been set up for quite some time and spaces where I've never set them up. So then I start observing the differences in those spaces. honestly it's created a bit of an issue because i and i and i refer to it jokingly and lovingly as violent abundance because storage <laughs> becomes an issue you probably should find some new customers um you're gonna you know the pest pressure is i will night and day night and day and we're in the south we have a lot of pests here a lot of pests potential um these bugs last wagon couple, bug size, oh size bugs. Oh my god! Oh my god, man! <laughs> and and the loss potential for those pests is just immense. Um, so this is very. My goal became okay. This is a this like I knew it worked. I knew it worked because my heart remembers that these technologies. I understood the 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 different principles. Like my mind, really, I was there. I was there for it, you know. But it becomes a next thing to then take something. Develop it and develop the the ability to like share it, because when you share something, you start to become a little bit or a lot bit responsible for what you're sharing. If you want to be a responsible person, so I I I thought, okay, let me make sure all this works out. Let me make sure all this works out, and it just keeps getting better and better. The longer the systems are in the ground, the better they operate because they the soil capacitates that that Mm -hmm. uh, effect. Um, so it became a matter of sharing the systems. Um, I have four models of antennas. If you want to get into the, the antennas a little bit, if not, you just yeah, tell yeah. me what you the want to go. go. Well, and you, you and
0: call these paramagnetic, uh, paramagnetic
2: because so the, the first, the, the antennas from like Justin crystal flu and all the original, all the original makers were a magnetic base, right. Of the antenna body itself. Um, I wanted to expand and put my own my own slant on other things that I understand as as benevolent in agriculture, so I wanted to add my paramagnetic. Value which is magnetic it's inclination toward or advancing toward a magnetic field, the converse is diamagnetic moving away from or not attracted to that field so. um, I core fill these antennas these copper bodies are all core filled packed very tightly with with very highly paramagnetic basalt powder. Um, basalt actually is one of the only raw minerals, too, that is capable of high capacitance in its raw form. So it also creates a basalt battery effect in the antenna bodies, um, and as well I mean, as... And that's basically volcanic
1: rock dust. Volcanic
2: rock. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so, yeah, you have the paramagnetic energy coming from the sun, and you have the paramagnetism that's created in minerals through through uh, volcanoes, through calderas. And, and I often liken this to like five element cycle because like biochar is paramagnetic, right? And that's why it's valuable to your soil. So you have the wood element interfacing with the fire element to create basically not a true metal but something with the energetic value of a metal, param- paramagnetic, because wood is diamagnetic otherwise. Um, the idea is that it
0: it has a magnetic potential at all times versus diet. I'm always trying to understand paramagnetic because when you look at the mainstream science, they talk about electrons and all this stuff, and I get totally yeah. They try to get there.
2: a little bit much. Yeah. yeah, it's just that it's a paramagnetic uh, material isn't even always in its um, pro magnetic phase. It just has the potential to be inclined. Now that the value of that paramagnetism the value of paramagnetism is really the rate of the periodicity at which it's attracted to a magnetic field so something that's highly paramagnetic is like basalt is always going to stick to a magnet virtually another i say i say always but virtually always
1: um, another important consideration is that these natural sources um, like basalt also are very abundant in transitional elements and transitional elements for folks that don't know, uh, some people call them ormus and and so forth, uh, orbitally rearranged monatomic elements. Mm -hmm. Um, These are like pre-metallic. They're in the state of becoming the next tonal field on whatever octave they're, uh, uh, you know, transiting through. And uh, these ceramic pre-metallic elements I believe, are the uh, secret to zero point energy. So um, as we even in alternative sciences, if you want to think of it that way, where we're talking about some of the things we're talking about, it's nice to um, you know, just bring in some other things that are rarely talked about, like these transitional elements and that have such a marvelous effect for plants and bodies. So uh, please go ahead.
2: Well, there's even, um, I recently learned of a piece of equipment that is, I mean, I literally, like two weeks ago, recently learned of a piece of equipment that was invented and utilized uh, thoroughly by a lady in Russia, very similar to these antennas, for cleaning up mining areas because these transitional Um, metals are able to be catalyzed into their higher potential forms, even into semi-precious and precious forms from what would otherwise be considered waste. So that's uh,
1: another thing I, I had planned to pick your brain about today as far as transmuting some of these toxic elements that are falling from the sky but yes. uh,
2: continue with where you're at and
1: then maybe we'll
2: get to that i mean everything has a higher potential possibility even mm-hmm. things that we see as toxins you know or or or, or small you know electromagnetic smog and i think it's all about learning to harness them on some level if you're not going to stop producing them or 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 living in fear is certainly not an option um thriving in fear is not an option let's say um so if your goal is to thrive um which is all right then uh dropping the fear is probably number one um that's when you come back to breath work that's when you come back to you know living your authentic life and all these principles but um With the electroculture, you're, you're fluxing minerals into higher, through, through the fluxing of polarities, through electromagnetic action, the fluxing of positive and negative, yin and yang, male and female, diamagnetic to paramagnetic, you are transmuting minerals into higher possible potential forms. And for instance, um, I believe it was Harvey Lyle wrote about placing, um, basalt powder, rock powder in a compost pile, and when you go like a month later and get it, it's white, which was originally gray, and it has fluxed into lime, which he called nascent or newly born lime, um, because this isn't a living mineral, and that is the difference too between a a lime, that a dolomitic lime that you might go buy in a bag at the co-op, and a lot of farmers will say, well, I'm putting it in there for my pH. Well, they're really putting it in there to increase the cation exchange capacitance rate, the pH is a byproduct of that effect, they are putting it in there, but it's kind of like the fast food version it's processed it's been sitting there it's inert It's fluxed and then it was static. So you have uh, these minerals that are produced through fluxing polarities, these are living minerals, or at least we could refer to them as enlivened Um, and. These are minerals that are highly available. Their angstrom level of these minerals versus inert store-bought minerals is going to be vastly different. So the biophotonic energy coming back to feeding plant roots with light, like Mike mentioned, this is all tied in together because that's that is the biophotonic energy. Um, so I mean that that's it. It's this one action basically that that has this manifold of benefit. And we're we're just manufacturing it 24-7, utilizing free energy sources, equipment that can be multi-generational, one-time installation. I mean, all these things I'm promoting just because as a farmer, I see them as so valuable. I mean, the money and the time that gets spent on certain agricultural operations. Uh, Year one in our farm, I learned about possible grants from the USDA for greenhouses. So I went down to the extension office and they're very nice people there um, as far as their personalities and everything. But um, basically within five minutes, I was being told kind of like almost like buddy, buddy with the guy like, hey, most farmers make more money coming down here and filing crop insurance claims and filing paperwork than they do actually growing crops. You might want to think about, you know, they're unsubtly promoting failure in agriculture through these systematic uh, offerings. You go down there to try to get a greenhouse in the neck, and that's what, they knew that's why I was there. And then in, in turn, they're starting to tell me how I could just fail and get paid. Instantly, I was like, okay, well, if the government wants me to fail, then I'm gonna try really, really hard to succeed. Because <laughs> this, you know, that's too much. I, I, this was like my first year, you know, and I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm kind of jaded at the same time, but at the same, you know, same moment, like, wow, the audacity, you know, the audacity, but uh, these systems, again, coming back to their solutionary measures are not peripheral. They're, they're systems that can replace a lot of other work. Um, you're, you're, and don't get me wrong, there'll still be plenty of work. You're never going to get away from hoeing. You're never going to, there's, this isn't, it's magical, but it's not fantastical. Magic is very real and magic takes our participation. So, in that way, we're utilizing this magic and we're working along with it, not having it slave for us. You know what I mean?
0: Well, it's an assistance.
2: It's an assistance. Exactly like any other thing, like any other tool you might buy, even coming down to like, oh, I need a UTV to get around my, well, you bought it. It's a tool. It's, helping you cost a bunch of money, right? And people know, bat and I spend 15 grand on one of those or something. But, you know, you Plus talk about- Plus we can't uh,
0: discount the consciousness interaction between us and the plants we grow and the need oh, sure. for us to be engaged with this from the seeds to, uh, to, you know, the sprouting to the planting and all that and that energetic interplay between literally our consciousness and the consciousness of the plant. You're exactly right. And I don't- how...
1: And I was just going to add that what we grow in a proper way is going to um, be able to conduct resonance in a more purified way that's going to behoove us biologically and uh, more than just helping us be healthy, but also increase our bandwidth of perception to be able to receive that resonance and and be discerning about what that resonance means, you know, in a very conscious way, you know, in my, I've got a lab out here and I make a plant mineral medicine. And whenever I, uh, you know, get through with a certain process with the plant and, you know, you extracted the, the spirit, the mercury, all that kind of stuff out of it, um, you know, you're left with just a pile of spent leaves or whatever. And uh, with those, we calcinate them. And uh, that means put them under a great fire and then it turns to a gray ash. And I think this is what you're talking about, but I'll do that a bunch of times in a row until it's a nice pure white ash. Now that white ash, I can go ahead, put it through another process, um, distillation process uh, and come out, recover pure purified crystals. Now those crystals from that plant matter are going to uh, be able to receive the resonance that m- makes their unique metamorphosis, as Goethe and Steiner used to say, that give the plant that medicinal property. So these capacitors that you're talking about are actually the thing that make plant medicine work, be, you know because those capacitors are receiving the resonance unique to that uh, particular botanical specimen. And it's really not about standardizing some chemical that somebody thinks is what makes ginseng work or something that's, like that. That's real alchemy, uh,
2: Barry. You're doing real alchemy, brother.
1: Yeah. So I mean, when that's, you that's go ahead deep. and use those crystals in your body or in farming, uh, you know, like you're talking with some of the things you're doing, you know, you're bringing down the the resonance of the stars. And as Paracelsus once said, the medicine is
2: in the stars. Nice. Nice. Love Paracelsus. Yeah. The cosmic energy, you know, um, the cosmic component, because we are on the earth, we are on the negative component. Um, yeah, I love that it's, it's the alchemy It's soil alchemy I mean we know that's where the word comes from it comes from the transmutive properties of the black soils of the delta and. So on and so forth, and so uh, that's coming from you know the idea that the waters flow between two banks in Chinese medicine, the yin and yang bank, but it's a paramagnetic rock like gypsum, I'm sorry, like uh, granite or basalt, and a diamagnetic rock like gypsum or limestone, perhaps. And it's flowing between, collecting balanced phases of magnetism. And then it's combining with all the humates of broken down leaves and fish emulsions and all the things of the river. And those, those, those humic acids, the fulvic acid, the humus, the compost, is so critical because I look at the compost in a very quantum way. It's like a scalar field. It's imprintable carbon. Um, Just like when we have those balanced phases of magnetism within one frequency, we get an expansion. And in Chinese medicine, we call that our Wei Qi field when it's us, but we also can see that as a scalar field. Wei Qi and scalar for me are the same. Because then you influence that scalar field in Chinese medicine with your heart, mind. That's your frequency that you're putting into your field, right, that you carry around with you. Um, And in radionics medicine, you can do the same thing with a frequency generator and cut your mind out of the picture. Uh, And and in quantum agriculture, we're doing the same thing. Um, We're creating that imprintable carbon with the humates, with the compost. And then we're imprinting it with that flux of polarity uh, that is a frequency, because a flux is an oscillation, the tides are an oscillation, a back and forth is an oscillation. Um, Usually an oscillation is just the nuanced word for a slower frequency or vibration, but it's all vibration. Um, Okay,
1: so. I'm uh eager to get into your specific technologies and so you can explain uh, these same principles uh in, in light of those and and let us know how they work
2: yes yeah, so i make four models can you see these okay yep. these antennas here and okay. and by
1: the way i'm on your website right now and for people uh that aren't familiar with your website it's thefertilecurrent.com Yes, and sir. Any the other current. links that, that you have uh, where people could find good stuff, you know, that you've been doing, you mention them now and then get into your technology. Okay, awesome.
2: Thank you. Yes, uh, thefertilecurrent.com is my website. There's a store on there. You can buy the antennas, you can read all about them, plus lots of information, installation videos, trying to make this very comprehensive to where you can see how to do this. There's a lot of there's a lot of hard to get little details when it comes down to actually put these things in and so i'm trying to cover them all. Um, I have an instagram at the fertile current and I have a YouTube channel the fertile current it's all under that name um, i'm trying to just put my videos up on YouTube as well. Um, just to, just so that it's available to everyone, you know, this is this is technology for everyone it's not mine i'm just trying to promote it because it's so valuable. Um, and it became kind of feeling like it's just very compulsive. I needed to share, I need to share it, you know? Well, and there's Uh, a,
0: there's an art form to how you do it. And frankly, some people just don't have the time to do it. And, uh, so you're providing that awesome service.
2: And I'll tell you, I'm making time. Like it's not easy. This is a dedication, you know, that's why I say it's, it's almost so compulsive inside of me as part of my path, you know, because I'm farming, I have a teenage son, we're very busy. So I'm making time, I'm prioritizing this information and it's all out of service of love. And sometimes I even try to have difficult conversations or bring up difficult, uncomfortable points because the service to the greater love and greater understanding for me is more important than just whether we all agree or, you know what I mean? That's it, that's really beside the point. So just the greater love of it all is really what I'm trying to bring. No, um,
1: actually, right on truth. point. As that uh, passion driven by love is uh, the greatest resonance and we'll do more for our plants and bodies than any other single
2: thing. Go ahead, Mike.
0: Oh, I was just saying the service to truth is the true love.
2: Exactly. Exactly, Mike. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying. And uh, so I'm stoked to be here with you guys today because you already already on all those same pages and we can go further you know it's nice it's nice it's nice to go uh, to talk about those levels and then it's also nice to already understand that and so we can move move even further into like okay now let's apply these things you know what i mean application of our knowledge is so critical we can if the ego wants to know something the ego will learn it and then sit there and know it but if you want to go apply something you have to learn it with your heart And it's a different knowledge because I come across people who who want to debate or something not so much, but sometimes and I don't really engage that because it's not my path. Um, But really, it's there. I find that sometimes people's egos wants to dominate this topic. And you're like, well, do you even have any plans of applying it? Because if not, I mean, maybe learn something you're going to apply.
0: Are you even growing food? You know, most most like, of
2: the time never never has anyone who grows food or actually grows crops on any level has ever engaged negatively exactly. it's only like yeah. a, I, I like well, a disc, like a disgruntled worker somewhere is just on lunch break and that's just how yeah. they roll they anybody, troll people like
0: yeah. anybody who seriously tries to grow their own food wants every single advantage every, exactly because <laughs> it's exactly. so dang hard yeah hey <laughs> so. i
1: I've been at this for a lot of years. Uh, I have a pretty extensive electric installed already. Uh, I took one light, uh, look at your site and what you're doing. And I'm like, okay, I got to learn from this guy. So oh, man. Well, I yeah, appreciate anybody it. that's, yeah, anybody that's uh, you know got their hands in the soil is is grounded and and you know doing everything for the right reasons. Usually, either uh, those eleven million hits we got on Instagram for our electroculture installments, we got a few trolls definitely. You know, oh, yeah. and in oh, yeah. the comments you can tell that now they've they've never probably been outside in their life.
0: Well, and yeah, applying totally. this to a vocation and not a nine to five slave job. We talk about this all the time. That is the true measure of living your hero's journey, is you actually are applying yourself into your creative arts through your own faculties of being an entrepreneur. That is the way to go, you guys. Uh, That is how we're supposed to exist. That is called the currency of experience. Uh, And Chris, so let's hop into uh, this antenna. We okay? People in the audience have questions. We have questions uh and uh definitely want to also touch on before i forget because this is what i messaged you on instagram Mm -hmm. i do notice you use uh iron in some stuff in your ground and stuff and we previous talks and stuff have talked about the negative issues sometimes with iron being in the soil but i'd love to get your words of wisdom on that related to especially to magnetism of course um but yes please go ahead uh we'd love to dive into your technology here
2: Okay, this antenna visible right here pretty well. Yes. Okay. Yeah, my little square. I can't tell. Okay, so this is our first model, the CW-1, I call it. Uh, First model very, very highly, highly influenced by Justin Crystal Flu's antenna. Um, It has all the same components. This, this is a steel bundle. Uh, Crystal Flu always used steel on the top of his, so I did too in the beginning. I've changed the type of steel I use. I use a stainless now, it doesn't rust um so this is for this is the only part of the antenna that really is the reason you mount it high in the air as high as possible because there's more cations more free positively charged electron uh, uh, ions the higher you go if you could put them several 100
1: cw cw1 paramagnetic aerial antenna
2: yes cw1 paramagnetic
1: aerial antenna yeah
2: like now that's and i call it that because this is the model that you really would want kind of the standard model if you had a big farm and you wanted to fully outfit it this would be the model or even a couple acres um and you want to run the ground lines and the full authentic setup this is the model um
1: so how many of those
2: uh would i need in order to say
1: service a certain area because yeah good question
2: yeah so rule of thumb is so these antennas will be installed always on the southern end of uh, you go south to north with these ground lines the antenna will be at the furthest southern point. The grounded point will be your furthest northern point that could be per antenna one line per antenna, you could run it for miles if that's your space. South to north is unlimited per antenna because you're staying in line and and here we got to get into the telluric current that's why we're going south to north in line and even if it's diagonal and you just stay in line with that flow. Because, you know, a lot of my fields and, were built before I was installing these, so it goes diagonally through a lot of my fields.
1: So with that south to north orientation, how far does it travel east yes. and west from that line?
2: East to west is 20 feet per a swath per line. So basically 10 okay. feet on each side. Now, I'm being a little conservative on that. It can be more, uh, and the higher capacitance level of your soil the more the the quicker that will capacitate that energy in the original books by crystal flu he would say install them give them a season to see their influence i see influence almost instantly with these systems but that's keeping in mind that i also recommend and whenever i have an installation that i can consult on i'm in i'm um, recommending building the soil as well to be high capacitance, right? So your soil quality yeah. will have a lot to do with it. Do you do are you, you familiar with? Go ahead. I Mike. go ahead.
0: I was just going to ask on the soil bit. Do you on these lines, right? You're talking about mm-hmm. having the positive Do you within the soil add anything to, I guess, to um, as a sort of repeater or to, uh, sort of carry that signal across faster? um, besides just having the capacitance of the soil itself.
2: Well, yes. So it's a, it's a, it's a wire There's a wire that it's a 12 and a half gauge. Oh, wow. Uh, galvanized okay. steel wire, zinc coated oh, steel wire do that
0: yet. Okay. Yes, so. so
2: this is how the systems work. This is the conductor. Okay. This is critical. So what you're doing is you're fluxing potentials in a conductor. So the positive potential is the antenna. The negative potential is the point of grounding at the furthest northern point of the wire goes way deep in the ground to ground out um, the, the potentials flux back and forth with feeble voltage diminutive small levels of voltage that's that's desired is that we're not why looking you use, for large voltage.
0: Is that why you use steel and not yes. copper because from yes. my understanding steel is a very poor conductor of electricity
2: well this is electromagnetism. Mm -hmm. we're not really looking at electricity we're using that term a little broadly this is all this is all emf this is all electromagnetism and frequency. this is radionics yes so i was trained in i was trained in radionics as well and i so i this concept is very easy for me but i understand this is very much an application of radionics but it's electromagnetism which is radionics
0: this is so important for us yes. to really get to understanding, that's why it, Bear, because I, yes. I, I can't tell you how many stupid comments we got on an Instagram thing about the traditional concepts around electricity and bringing a charge down into the ground and how we had all these we had all these electrical engineers, yeah, right, you know, uh, coming into the chat or excuse me in the comments and trying to bash Bear because quite frankly they are coming at it from a completely uh wrong perspective yes and so uh, 100 for, percent for clarifying why you're using steel so, here yeah go ahead bear
1: well we'll just no uh you're about to say something chris you go
2: i was just going to remind okay so steel what it is it's it's very magnetic uh it's very yeah. you know it's, it, it interfaces yeah. with the magnet so Faraday's first law of electromagnetic induction, we're we're inducting electromagnetic voltage. So it's a fluxing of potentials through a conductor interfacing with a magnet. We have magnets on the antennas. We have paramagnetic minerals in the soil, and we have a conductor. We have a point of positive. We have a point of negative. Those are fluxing potentials. And we also put magnet arrays coated in beeswax ring magnets around the wire in the soil for more electromagnetic induction.
1: Those are your magnetic signal boosters. Exactly. Right exactly. Yeah.
2: So those will go in periodicities in the soil, um, depending on how, you know, it's all, some things come down to budget. How many do you want to buy? The more, the better. How many do you want to mess with? So,
1: back to the, the question with the east and west radiation. Yes. 20 uh, feet. Um, okay. How about if you have more of these uh,
2: signal boosters, would that
1: increase that?
2: it's just like I said, yes, it will increase that. So there's variables Mm -hmm. here. There's your soil, there's your bedrock. There is how many boosters you put on. There is, you know, how, how well you installed your system, just like everything Uh you have to go through the, you have to do it correctly. You want to keep your system in line because what we're doing is we're getting the atmospheric electricity, so it's called is just one part of these systems it's highly focused on but it's one component because we're also harnessing through the brass rod that faces magnetic exact south this is one of the most critical things about setting up these systems is that the brass rod like this right here and this right here they must face magnetic south and you align them with a the compass and you can go out and check them and that, periodically
1: yeah go ahead uh, the other question I had, are you familiar with the work of Kerry Reams ionization and analysis? Mm, no, I don't think so.
2: Does that work with so, water? Um,
1: uh, well, that would be, uh, he, the Tesla of water would be, uh, I'd consider more Schauberger. But, okay, uh, okay, yeah, Schauberger uh, Kerry for Reams sure, yeah, that, was yeah. More the Tesla of botany, you know, it's his claim okay. to fame. And um, so uh, anyway, in a nutshell, uh, I do very extensive testing. Uh, when I need to here, but your testing is, of course, you're getting chemical samples, many chemical samples all over, but then you run it through a mathematical equation. That's what Kerry did. He, he used math in order to uh, extrapolate electrical um, vectors from the chemical findings. So if I do any amendments uh, in the farm here, I don't just start dumping all sorts of organic stuff on. Uh, we just use little minute amounts of certain things that by the equation of least resistance, which is what we get out of our testing, then wow. I know just where to tweak that equation to oh, uh, super cool. um, improve that line of resistance so that now the soil itself, the micronage in the soil becomes more compatible with the rootlets of the plants. And so what you're doing uh, through Kerry Ream's work is, creating an entire electromagnetic grid with the soil and just optimizing that. So I've had good um, experience with my electroculture, but they're just your basic, you know, they go up high. Yes, I noticed that uh, yours go up high at least. Yeah, like they go up pretty well, Um, yeah. I think they work for me, especially with pest control uh, because of the soil yes uh that's why i'm really eager to go next level with your technology certainly here than, certainly
2: uh, yeah and you guys probably have pretty paramagnetic soil there do you know the bedrock is where you're at is it granite um i'm guessing granite
1: No, it's uh serpentine serpentine
2: ah okay i need to look into um, that see one,
1: we're but... we're in an old river bed and yeah I can go on diff, because over the ages, the rivers actually change courses and all sorts of things have happened. And uh, I can do different testing soil samples all over our acreage here and ha- find all different types yes, of mediums. So it's yes, not any, the- yes. yeah. It's,
2: it's very, so, yeah, I and get and that.
1: That's, yeah, okay. So anyway, uh, go ahead.
2: And soil samples like blood samples, you know, it's a snapshot. Because everything's fluxing potential, everything, especially in living soils like yours. I mean, everything is going to be different. And it's only through experience and taking the sample Mm -hmm. and then observation that you can get data, not the sample alone, not the observation alone. You know, it's the the fire and the water that make the steam and that's the chi that drives the train. It's not, you know, one alone is incomplete. It's like that's why it takes that's why it takes being an agriculturist like yourself, being in your gardens all the time, watching results, cause and effect and being able to delineate between the effect of one thing and another or compounding variables. You can have a heat spell, a hot spell within a greater cold uh, time. You know what I mean? There's these weird variables that can cause success or failure to certain crops. And understanding that along with the new things that you might be trying or the, you know, the other systems you might employ is so critical Mm -hmm. in understanding what they're doing and the effects that you might have had from something else or the combined effects of the two or the three, you know, Um, there's Mm -hmm. so many combined variables is is all my point is that uh, only, you know, that because you've you've seen it, you know, Mm -hmm. and you've compared Mm -hmm. that with your analysis. Um, That's... That's
1: real science is you do something and observe, right? And
2: we're all all welcome to do that. That's what's so wonderful. Like I was growing up kind of told, well, we're not the type of people that understand those things. That's for other people to understand. We just, you know, this we here in this family, we do our work and we we don't expand our minds into that realm of the academic of, you know, whatever you want to call it or, you know, uh, and, and it kind of made me go the other way. I was like, nah, man, like. you know let no man belong to another who can belong to himself you know there's some paracelsus you know so why would i trust the mind of someone i can go do it now i'm not saying i don't defer to people's experiences that i trust Mm -hmm. as well and i i will in input any research and and give it thought and find it valid Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day i have to because i wasn't there and i didn't do it Mm -hmm. you know um so that's the only way you can know or have any idea exactly you know so the cw1 is
1: your most foundational unit and then My most foundational if, if, unit. if i'm and then cw2 um so i'll i'll quickly finish the
2: components yeah here, you which go which, in the order you want which to go. are basically which are basically the same more or less we'll get into the differences mm-hmm. but you have the this is for the atmospheric positive anion uh, cation collection. The positive atmospheric electri- electricity component, right, is mm-hmm. these steel wires because the wind blows through them. You're looking for surface area. Um, as it comes down, you come to the telluric collection rod. This is brass, and it's interesting. You know, brass is uh, zinc and copper in different proportions, which are very similar to this voltaic stack, which is interchanging uh, plates of copper and zinc, because those metals electrochemically exchange constantly. Um, They do that at an expedited rate when there's electrolytes present, uh, which when it gets rained on, there are electrolytes in rainwater salts that Mm -hmm. expedite the exchange and create more voltage and rain. So all these components interface with the weather in a different way, basically, or the environmental factors. The wind blows through these wires, the solar winds to be exact. Then you have the Telluric rod, which is collecting the Earth's electromagnetic field, just like our heart's electromagnetic, the torus, the energy inside the torus, And that flows, like all current, is positive to negative. So that is south to north in this case. So south will be the direction that this rod will face. This rod, everything in these antennas goes to the center wire that comes out the bottom that runs all the way from up here solid through this whole antenna everything is solder bonded and insulated internally and wired internally and then packed with the paramagnetic basalt so the telluric rod like i said behind it has the voltaic stack named after alessandro volta the word volts Um, all his original designs were just stacks of different metals zinc and copper mainly with a wire coming out and he would power lights and all sorts of things. And he would add salt water to them and get way more voltage, like 10 times the voltage. Um, So that's all that is, that's electrochemical exchange. The magnets behind there are in line with the Telluric current, so south facing out. You can determine that with a compass. Um, Mm -hmm. All just to draw that Telluric in through this brass rod. This point right here, we have a thermocouple which is utilizing what's known as the Seebic effect, which is dissimilar metals at different temperatures, creating voltage between them. Um, there's mm-hmm. lots of different types of thermocouples. This is a type K. And uh, I think it utilizes like aluminum and chrome or something like that inside. Two different metals that when they arc different directions because of hot and cold fluctuations. So it's using temperature difference um, to make the metals touch in different, in different, at different points but it does it when it gets colder. It does it when it gets warmer. It's just a change in temperature. They use these in all kind of appliances, uh, refrigerators, is a, heaters. Is there a
0: piezoelectric effect going on here too?
2: Yes. Well, there you have piezo current on some level because it is core filled with paramagnetic basalt, and then at the very top it is resin core filled up here at the top to make it completely waterproof and to put pressure on the basalt. There is piezo current in that. However. What we're going to get into now is the CW2 model, which is the one I have in my hand. It's slightly slimmer. It's the same length. I designed this model because some people, and myself included, on some crops were wanting to utilize antennas um, in a more, in a, in a different way, mounting them lower, under 15 feet in height. So when you do that, the only component that becomes kind of, um, kind of. Uh, Obsolete is the atmospheric collection bundle, which is this wire bundle up here. So I've replaced that in this case with a tensor rod, and these tensor rods are obviously using tensile pressure, twisting pressure, copper is piezoelectric. Um, sorry, paramagnetic, and when it's pressure on the copper, it produces a piezoelectric current. Um, Slim Spurling, all the all the t- uh, tensor rod gurus, mm-hmm. uh, tensor rings, you know, uh, producing piezoelectricity. Yeah. Um, how quartz watches work and guitar pickups and all those different functions, but um, so when you come lower, you you make the atmospheric collection pretty obsolete. Lower than lower than twenty or fifteen feet, I would use the CW2 model and utilize the piezoelectric current. All the other components are still in effect: the thermocouple, um, the telluric collection rod, because telluric energy is flowing at all altitudes through land, through earth, through water, through air, through buildings. Um, you can't stop it. So, so, do you mount these
1: um, like on a wood pole of some type or PVC? Or
2: you can mount them on whatever medium pole you would like. I usually use aluminum poles, um, but you you have to insulate them an in antenna body, even from a wood pole, because wood is very conductive when it's wet or pretty conductive. So you don't want your point you don't want your antennas grounding out right to that one point in the ground. And mm-hmm. it, it, if you had a, just tons of them out there doing that, I, there would be a, there's definitely an effect there. But when you're talking about a large pole and an antenna, um, you're mounting these up at least 20 feet. I put mine usually at 25 feet is my standard height. The higher, the better. Um, it can be mounted on any medium pole, any type of medium wood, plastic metal, but you just wanna make sure that your antenna body, uh, if it is a conductive material that it's mounted is is insulated against it. And you'll see, I use these uh, mass to mass mounts that hold, that'll go around the pole and then hold the antenna off of the pole. And then I I use a piece of insulative material here where this metal is clamped to the antenna so that there's nothing bleed, there's no bleed off. They call it bleed off when when your positive electricity is being is being bled down to the ground point and not going into our wire because the whole point is that it goes into that ground wire to flux potentials. And you just need Mm -hmm. a little bit of positive. You just need a little bit of voltage because all Mm -hmm. voltage is fluxing potential. And then you're using the electromagnetic induction. It's not like you're trying to power these things like a, like a appliance. And I'll I'll even get questions like, do you have to plug it in? It's like, well, no, no, no. You know, this is, (laughs) this is, this is free. This is free energy on the smallest scales what we're using it agriculturally you know um oh yeah this model right here if you can see is the cw3 model and it's a little bit shorter but it's Compose. fatter it holds a lot more basalt and i use this I, I i developed this model for my compost piles and for compost windrows so i have like a 28 28 cubic yard pile of compost back there and i'll Drive a grounding rod, a copper grounding rod, down through the pile to make contact with the earth, and then I'll mount this. And I have these videos on my website of me doing this. Um, I mount these on a little zip tie them to a PVC sleeve that fits right over the grounding rod, and then I attach this wire right to the right to the copper. And then you're fluxing potentials vertically through a pile, but what you're trying to affect in that case is that vertical pile of soil. So in that case, you know, you're know, you wanting that vertical flux versus that flux in the ground because you're trying to bring all the elements in the compost pile to higher potentials before you apply the compost, or let's say flux can the you, salt into, into lime. Um, Go ahead, sir.
1: Do you use any of these uh, devices to make compost tea?
2: I do, I actually have a video about that. Um, I, I, you can use these systems through water, just like you can through soil. So like outside of the greenhouse, my propagation house where I make teas, I have my reservoir and everything inside. And then I have an antenna just outside facing south. I use a CW-2. I use this one because I only have it up about 12 feet. And I have this wire running. It's an insulated wire to a tensor inside to a tensor rod or ring inside the reservoir. And then the wire Uh runs out the other side out of the reservoir and into a negative grounding rod into the ground, so it has a negative and positive potential Uh, and current that that's turning water that you would think of as. Not having current as into what we know as living waters because we're, we're referring to current but current is an electrical idea, not just an idea of physical momentum based movement it's a charge because water is moving from. A yang to yin position, and we see that as high elevation to low elevation. But those are relative points. Yin and yang, positive negative, toward the sea, with the seas and the oceans being like the ultimate yin position, like the womb. And oddly enough, or you know, perfectly enough, uh, seawater and amniotic fluid are nearly identical. It's the greatest yin, with the greatest yang being like the sun. And we're just everything Any is open. fluxing potentials between them. So the tensor Any ring alchemical. inside
0: there is conducting. It's like a superconductor, then inside. And is it vortexing, helping with the vortex too and stuff? Or
2: it's a conductor and it's also generating piezo current. So, like in radionics, a lot of times you're inducting frequency or energy into something else that's in making energy. Uh, it's this exponential factor. I'm simply using that as a conductor. Um, it's very practical because it's rigid once you, uh, you can align it within the water, within the reservoir. Um, and I also use it because I use a, a plasma projector, which is like a Tesla coil gun, over the reservoir yeah. because that's like a lightning storm over a lake. And it's mm-hmm. freeing up the atmospheric oxygens and nitrogens in the air above that solution as it bubbles um, and creating mm-hmm. this creating this living solution, I also add um, small amounts of gold ormus or monatomic gold mm-hmm. into the mix and we spray this and apply it to the soils of our starts and um, you know, use it in various ways, mostly for starts and yeah. for sprays.
1: We use a vortex brewer here. Yes, um, love that. So machine. It'll be yeah, it'd be fun to combine those technologies. 100 percent. I actually. Yeah. have
2: one in storage, but it's out of state and I need to, yeah. I need to get it.
1: I have one in my greenhouse, so uh, I'm gonna definitely uh combine those, see what happens.
2: Yes, so, it's ideal. Um,
1: yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, well, go ahead, continue. Okay.
2: Uh in this in this compost model, it's it's not exclusively for that. You could use this one and then they're all pretty interchangeable, but they all have a little bit of purpose-driven difference in mind. I wanted this to be Mm -hmm. a a kind of a powerhouse because it's going to sit there and charge your compost that you're going to spread everywhere, right? So there's a there's more basalt in this model. It's a it's a larger larger diameter copper body. There's two piezo rods. There's two tensor rods in this model, and they're twisted in opposite directions. One is twisted clockwise. One counterclockwise. Um, There's also a lot of focus on that in electroculture, but a lot of times there's no reference given. Well, do you mean clockwise from above or from below because um, everything is kind of relative you know so um at the end of the day they're both producing piezo current um you've covered all basis uh depending on what your thought mentality is because i'm trying to make these universally understandable so if i pigeonhole it to one thing and it's like oh, this is always counterclockwise and i'm preaching a dogma but, like, I didn't create this universe alone. So, you know, I don't know. There's not there's things I don't know, of course. And so I'm leaving those things open. I'm going to put one going each direction in balance. They're both exactly uh, one cubit length long. Um, I'm using the principles of biogeometry and yin and yang balance that I know to use in the design. There's so always room as, for improvement.
1: Uh, since you mentioned that, um, you know, I use a lot of biogeometry here um, just to create resonance through numbers and shapes and and design
2: um, and and ratio. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you, you do that as well.
2: Yes. All these pieces are cut based on the sacred cubit. So the body Mm -hmm. length is, uh, you know, if it's a half cubit, the rods will be one and a half cubit. Everything is cut in Mm -hmm. some sort of harmonious uh, metric to that length so that they have Mm -hmm. kind of a static harmonious resonance in the device alone um and basically i just wouldn't know why anyone wouldn't do that with everything that's my bigger point it's not that i'm doing it so it's special it's kind of like a why not yeah. if you just didn't know so, maybe but if you know apply so let
1: me ask you this um do you me- exactly um do you measure the just the innate lay lines in the land and utilize those in any way because you know like in biogeometry we there's three different types of lay lines and some of them are useful and that you can use it like a river to carry things more do you ever uh couple like, da- like dowsing for
2: geopathic mm-hmm. stress lines and stuff like that yeah um, i okay uh, in so
1: biogeometry, we have uh, instruments to do that and then there's uh, like lecker antennas, things like that but yeah
2: I don't have any of that equipment. I would love to experiment with it. Um, I, that's yeah. probably, that's probably a next, a, a next chapter. Um, And that's, that's the type of thing I'm looking for is where to, you know, you where else it. to take it. Yeah. So that's probably yeah. something that when we get done, I'll, I'll heavily research more. I am, um, but no, my, no. so most of my gardens and my farm were laid out and not that it's set in stone, but I mean, it, we have it pretty much like we like it. Um, before we installed these systems. So my goal has been adapting these systems to what I already have, which has been a good practice because that's what I end up doing with most of my customers and people I consult with, is they're adapting something. So I've adapted systems for raised beds, for for container nurseries, for for all kinds of ways, but keeping in mind all the important principles, has to be a point of grounding, has to be a conductor, has to be a collector of positive ions. All these things have to be in place and then you can adapt um it's just like you know learning qigong once you once you feel like you understand your goal or once you've felt the feeling of the goal then you can know where to go back to but it's just not having that bearing of like what are we doing you know um so yeah it's 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 all very replicable in different arenas there are areas that make it difficult like i've been reached out to by a lot of indoor growers and i oftentimes i have developed some some ways to adapt systems i usually end up recommending treating their water because we mm. can we can go after their water then we can spread that water because if you're if you got 5000 plastic containers in a warehouse that's difficult you know i mean there's ways you know we can put antennas on the roof we can run wires in line with the current it flows through everything it flows through all those containers but then we have to have a point of grounding at the end in the actual earth and we, we you know we have to have these things in place so they get difficult um, and I'll usually just be really honest and recommend more radionic space solutions or maybe perhaps using some of the equipment with their water reservoirs um, but to great mm-hmm. success you know to great success lakovsky rings you know we can get into some simpler tech we can get oh, into yeah. some um i make this when- this is my sorry go ahead uh, well, well no I was just gonna say what's great
1: about all this is if you're in uh medicine working on bodies if you're in engineering you know doing architecture uh if you're doing agriculture the principles are all the same and if you understand the principles uh you know you learn a few fundamentals to any of those endeavors and you're off and running you're gonna be you're a shapeshifter advanced. man so, yeah 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 exactly, yeah, exactly. Go ahead with the next device oh, yeah. yeah
2: so So that was my my compost, uh, the CW3 model, double tensors, Mm -hmm. more basalt, same thermocouple, slightly longer telluric rod, larger magnet. It's a powerhouse. It's my biggest one as far as like volume and size and weight. Uh, And then on the the other end of that, I have the little petite CW4 model. And this is the model that I do make. This is a highly radionics uh, inspired model because I included... It has all the other features of the antennas on a scaled-down size, telluric brass rod, magnets, uh, electrochemical exchange of the voltaic uh, pile. Um, it has copper rods coming out of here because I people, with this in mind, I had it in mind to be inside someone's home, maybe as a point of scientific intrigue, usage, and also beauty hopefully, if you find it attractive. So I made it all out of copper. There's, there's the wires and there's a tensor rod, a little brass ball on the top. Um, but I added in this case, this is wired into the wire here, soldered to the wire is just a, a tensor That's split into two here, and those are for alligator clips. So you can take a BNC to Um, alligator or an aux to alligator cord and connect to your frequency generators, your spooky two machines, uh, orgone amplifiers, whatever you may have. That you can have a there's cords that are adapted for everything to alligators, so positive and negative, right? And you can, if you wanna. If you want to uh, sympathetically resonate the nitrogens in your soil and get growth, you would program in 1014 hertz. That's elemental nitrogen frequency, and run that on the plant through this device. It can also be used as a biofeedback antenna to radionics devices, um, in and outside of the home. So this is like you would put into a single one. plant. Yes, I do too. It's a lot of fun to make. Is I like the small size and um, I. They have, all have their uh,
1: similar technologies. set all um connect with alligator clips to needles when i'm doing acupuncture and 100% I created that percent i created a whole room for that a long time ago with a whole grid structure and all sorts of other crazy stuff geometries and things and and then hooked it up to people by way of their meridians and yeah yes, so yes sir that's exactly right there. on man
2: yeah i mean that's yeah that's it or
1: qigong um you know since you're a medical qigong practitioner just bring this up because that's your forte um when you're doing acupuncture if you aren't using any assisted technology then you at, at very least uh need to be adept at qigong and channeling you know projecting that energy through the needles that's why yes. i tell people if you're shopping around for an acupuncturist and you go in for a visit and they stick some needles in you and walk out of the room the next patients like no that's not acupuncture yep. a real acupuncturist is going to stay there with you and assist that energy with
2: his own awareness 100 percent, 100 percent, and yeah. um, that's it i mean we do we do energetic acupuncture in our training in medical qigong you know we uh do it with our sword finger mudras and uh you know yeah. vortexing vortexing spirals and uh go in there and do little surgeries and all the stuff you know but you mm-hmm. know it's energetic work and uh mm-hmm. it's got its own its own complications too you know you have to you have to get out of your own mind man that's you know and it's going to accelerate uh, your own evolution so uh you need to be ready for that <laughs> yeah you know like when you treat a patient when i treat a patient i mean it's very obvious that when you're treating another soul, you're treating yourself and vice versa, because you feel it too. You feel the benefits of the treatment. And I think the more sensitive you become to it, the more you almost, sometimes it selfishly feels like you get more benefit out of the treatment.
1: I always uh, love that line in the field of dreams where at the end, uh, you know, Kevin Costner's dad, uh, you know, Kevin, thinks that building the baseball field was, uh, to bring it, you know, for his dad and uh, bring his dad back. But his dad says, no, it was for you. So I always, that line ever, uh, always stuck with me, you know? Yeah. Well, that's practicing. exactly what I'm saying. And what I did that, uh, you know, it took me a few years to realize, Oh no, it's for me. I'm the one it's that's getting me. treated.
2: Yeah. That's yeah. why, that's why the group of us that seem to be drawn to this stuff they have usually yeah. been through quite a bit, or you usually had the, you know, face a lot of challenges typically, even sometimes more so than seem realistic and that seem fair and that seem like, oh, gosh, yeah. man. But it's, I guess, because that's our path, you know? And we're trying to learn these lessons very rapidly. Chris, like yeah. if yes, you Mike. build
0: it, they will come.
2: You, <laughs> and you've done they that. They will grow, yes. They will,
0: but they will come, in other words, people listening to the show, Will be coming. Good, good, <laughs> Get good. ready. Good. When we had Mitch, the orgone donor, on a year ago. He sold out overnight. So. Wow. Um, uh, thefertilecurrent.com. Yes, sir. Uh, please go check it out. I'm going to be jumping on and getting a couple for sure. I'm very much interested yeah. in the petite paramagnetic electroculture antenna uh, for healing some plants I have in the house that need a nice. little love.
2: I'm here uh, to help too, man. You know, like I'm here to help my customer, help people consult with them and help them figure it out. Like I'm not going to leave them in the dark with stuff they don't know how to install.
0: Well, I was just going to say too, you have um, on the installations portion of your website where you sh- you have visual cues on how you do the installation. But for the people that maybe can't afford this, that are more DIY, do you ever plan on putting putting out sort of schematics, open sourcing this at all? So people um, maybe could even buy those those schematics off you, so they could build them themselves.
2: Well, that that kind of already exists. I mean, honestly, like that's what I worked from. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't really be doing too much. Besides, it would be kind of hard at this point, but I we will see. We will see. I would love for it to get to that point. I my I want this to be much more than just selling antennas. You know, like that's just because this is the equipment that I've developed that works for us and that I I know will work for others. I want this to be more of an educational experience and a much bigger thing. I like working with farmers all over the world, especially places that have been heavily taken advantage of and really need a boost in their agricultural systems. Um, You know, places that have been just destroyed through different levels of colonization and colonialization, and monocropping and uh, monocropping, yeah, exactly, and and just exploitations of all levels, mining. Um, Anyway, so. We will see about that. It it's kind of hard to like put it out as a schematic, I guess, in any way that's different than it's already available. But yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep evolving with this and see where we get. Um, but I can honestly say that in agricultural investments, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty reasonable once you consider all the things that it will save you from doing and perhaps buying. Um, you know pest pressure, the crops that you will yield and not lose if you're growing food, let's say, will pay for itself very quickly. Um, and in the world of farming, it's a pretty low level investment um, in the world of farm equipment, at least.
0: Well, and look at the cost of fertilizer now. I mean, it's gotten ridiculous, Even you know, organic fertilizer, too, if that's what you guys are using. Um, I will say this, we are a big fans of decentralization and people taking on the role of being their own food producer. So even if you're not a market grower or commercial exactly. Farmer, uh, this still, you're looking at an investment, maybe you get, you know, three, four rods, you're dropping a G. One, soil, to buy soil amendments is crazy expensive now. Crazy expensive. Two, buying food in grocery stores, going to Whole Foods or even a co-op or whatever is insanely expensive now to have anything that's worth even putting in your mouth uh so um this is the future the future is uh abundance via the the arcane sciences that are the true sciences um the tartaria technology if you will
2: wisdom-based technology that's what i like to say wisdom-based technology heart
0: resonant technology yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. and um let's have fun with it um chris Thanks so much, man, for coming on today. I knew this would be a stellar show and just packed full of, this is like pragmatic, really good stuff too, right? As you were saying, like this isn't just- It's petty, not peripheral. Yeah, no, peripheral. this is very much yeah. so
2: agriculture, go grow food, go get a result, go see it in one season, in one half a season, you know, go is, go watch
0: it. This is where I wanted my final question for you and then you can fill us in on any final remarks um how has this impacted your guys growing your life and um, everything uh, you're doing on the farm
2: uh, well in so many ways i guess um personally from just a productivity point of view yields went insane and i'm talking about crops that i've watched grow in the same place for over a decade um, yields went insane when we started employing these systems and installing them and, and utilizing them correctly um But beyond that like i said pest pressure we we lose so much less to any disease and i'm not saying we never have a loss that's that's not that's not truthful either that's not what i'm saying you'll still have challenges but the challenges are are 60 less let's say and that's huge um and that's me being you know pretty fair with it like in some ways they're much higher percentage of uh positive change through these systems um the vibrance of the food, the quality of the food um, has nothing to do with growing gigantic vegetables. You want lots of flowering sites, lots of um, properly sized vegetables, especially if you are selling them. If you're not, it doesn't matter as much. But um, our farm experience has changed a lot in that way, but also uh, more internally and more physiologically, emotionally, I guess, physio emotionally. it's a very intriguing system to work with so sustainable agriculture does not just include your agricultural practices but it includes sustaining yourself as an agriculturalist continuing to learn grow adapt and trash everything if you find new truth that resonates stronger than the truth you had before because i see agriculture in such a even amongst the youngsters a lot of times it's so static and so dogmatically done even in the you know organic farming world, especially in the organic you, you just see kind of everyone doing the same thing and i mean i've been there too and i i know once i open myself up and invited something else in um i i feel personally rewarded um so anyway yeah it's it's a, it's a development of the self and a development of your farm because like we keep going back to it's just the same thing over and over in yeah. smaller and larger um, forms you know
1: Chris, uh, absolutely brilliant work! Thank you so much. Uh, I do there. have one final question. Yes, I just uh, placed my order as we were talking here. Oh, awesome! Oh, so you'll thank see. You. Thank you so much. Um, does this? Oh, oh thank you. Um, yeah, I got one through four, and then s- a set a ten magnets. Oh, so, um, what's the wire? Uh, does it does it come with wire? or Do I have to get some wire? Uh, yes. Okay. Good question for the ground because I have some oh.
2: lar- I have some long distances to cover too. Okay, no, I don't ship wire because it's heavy. So yeah. wire, I, I'll ship out the antennas. They'll have a brass coupler on them. They're ready to mm-hmm. couple your wire to. Um, I have and am willing to put together packages for people. Like I, for uh, a lady in Lodi recently, I put together all her insulate. Mm-hmm. I got everything she kind of mm-hmm. needed. I don't provide mm-hmm. poles or wire for the ground because they're just large items that are pretty sourceable everywhere. Farm supply store yeah. will have your galvanized uh, steel 12.5-gauge or 12-gauge mm-hmm. wires preferred. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the standard size. And you want galvanized, not aluminized. I like to make sure that that's right. clear to everybody. Um, galvanization is zinc coating. Um, so, yes, you will source that wire locally. That's bare, that's bare wire. Bare, plain, non-insulated right. wire you right. want in the ground. Now, the wire that goes... Most people will install directly from antenna, down the pole, into the ground, same wire. That's traditional. You can split mm-hmm. it up and run a piece of insulated wire from your antenna to the bottom of the pole and then couple it to your mm-hmm. ground wire. And I find that to be a very smooth way to do it. Okay. And you also oh, have insulated yeah. wire then going down the pole.
0: Chris, mm-hmm. we need uh, to come out to the farm and do a workshop. Maybe, uh, Dude, I
1: would, I would love it. What do you say, bro? Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, I would I love it. That would be amazing.
2: I would love it. I would love uh, to do that with you
1: guys. Sorry, I guess we're trying to wrap it up. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah.
2: Here. Um, <laughs> Bear, <laughs> okay. thank you so much. So uh,
1: yeah. So uh, you'll probably be getting an email from me with a couple questions when my stuff arrives. But uh, I'm here for and, you, and bro. we'll take some uh, cool videos and uh reference you and then cool. uh let you know how we're doing with it.
2: Thank you, Bear. I really appreciate you, bro. Uh, let's stay in touch you. on a personal level and everything. Yeah, that'd be we'll awesome. Be, uh, you, you know, you're always welcome here. Love to do you. a workshop with you. Same, here. same.
0: We'll be sending you yeah. some of the Jiao Gulan, uh maybe before and after bear. We'll send him some. That's our, <laughs> one of our core crops. Uh, it's how we oh, make nice. our, our Gulan, team immortality line.
2: Awesome, man. Yeah. You guys are doing some radical stuff, bro. Like it, the the <laughs> levels and he's telling me about his processes. I'm just blown away. That's true alchemy, man. It's just, he's applying the knowledge. You guys are applying knowledge, you know? Well, like like you said, you know, I didn't make any of this stuff up. I'm just, you
1: know, a student and a sentinel. uh, Yeah, my own experience. Yeah, yeah. And and then you know what's cool though is you do put your little twist on, you know, your unique twist, and it's inevitable. That's how innovation happens. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then the next person can take your twist and build on and put their twist on. That that is it. That is it. Awesome. Yeah. Way cool. Mike, thank you so much. too. you're awesome. Chris, thank you. Um, I love you guys. Love you you too. too
0: enjoy Take your care. time on the farm. Uh, Such a pleasure. We look forward to having you back. Probably what we'll do is we'll do a follow-up one maybe uh, in the spring coming perfect. into growing season uh, and we can kind of, uh, or we'll figure it out, but um, I know we'll, we'll have our hands busy over the winter getting all this stuff installed. Yeah. And uh, perfect timing, Bear, because we were just literally before we really were aware of Chris talking about all the work that we want to get done, uh, yeah, moving into the winter. And this is a great time to get all the stuff
2: in. right? Yeah. It's a nice time. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 Okay. Thanks so much guys for everyone in the chat. Uh, you guys are awesome. What an amazing community. We have nothing but radiating positivity in there and just like, Oh, just can do attitude. People are stoked to get on this. And, they are pretty
1: cool. Um, aren't they? You know, i look at other chat groups and they, uh,
2: we've got the best they're amazing yeah i mean our you get what you put out you know what i mean like
0: (laughs) indeed indeed We're we're, we're quite fortunate to uh have you guys thank you so much if you uh were resonating with this uh and it really helps just to hit the thumbs up share with your friends and family get this information out this is the kind of stuff that will inspire people to start planting and getting involved with where their food comes from Right, uh, it, it's so important this day and age for us to start taking an active role in our food production. Even if you live in the city, get one of these petite um, uh, electroculture antennas and throw it in your, pan, uh, you know, your your pl- potted plants. Excuse me, on your balcony in Manhattan. It, you know, like the, you can grow food anywhere. So and experiment uh,
2: with the radionics too. You know, I mean, why not? Oh yeah, Indeed. absolutely, absolutely. Indeed.
0: Um, but that being said, guys, we got to go. Love you. We'll see you next. Actually, we have a special AlphaCast next Tuesday. I believe it's at three or 4 PM Pacific time uh, time because our guest is in Australia. Uh, So keep an eye out for that. And then I will be off to Confluence in Texas in the Hill Country. I'm leaving Thursday. Uh, We'll be hanging out with Alex Zek and Kelly Brogan and... Um, Eileen McCusick and all these legends on uh, on uh, Molly's farm there her new farm from Soa Heart Farms uh, to go deep into all of this stuff. All these solutions I'll be talking about uh, the current of experience and how that is the currency of our time and uh, also be DJing. it's a there's a solar eclipse going on. So we'll be doing the eclipse and then I'm DJing the after party that Saturday night. It's going to be a blast. Matt and Owen from music and sky are cruising out with me there. So uh, we're going to have a good time. And I know you'll be there in spirit with us because, you know, basically want a
1: big hug for me.
0: I will. Okay, guys. Thanks so much. Have a beautiful day. Remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go grow something, go hug a tree, go for a hike. Mother nature. She is our best teacher. Go show her some love and we'll see you next time. We love you. Appreciate you. Thanks. Ciao.